Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Before we get into that message, we want to remind you about just a couple of things. First off, if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here at the Cersei campus, text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information about what's going on here at our local campus, and you can give online there as well. You can also get connected to life groups and so much more just by texting Cersei to 88000. Now get your Bible apps ready and prepare to hear a great word today. Before I preach, can we put our hands together for all those watching online? Just want to welcome our uh, all of those folks today. So thank you for joining us on, on online today. If you are new with us, we have been on a journey the past uh, couple of months on the life of Christ. And I told the nine o'clock service that what this has really meant for me is if you're not uh, familiar with new, new Life Structure, we have 18 campuses in the state and we've all been doing Life of Christ. So it's been a good overall direction for the church as a whole and the 18 cities and the areas that, that, that we're in. And so it just has kind of felt good, you know, to be um, kind of all on the same page in a time where it's easy to scatter. Um, but we're also talking about the words and the life principle teachings um, of Christ. And so we've spent the whole past two months in the Gospels. Uh, today is going to be the same. Uh, but we're starting to put the landing gear down on this. It's going to take us right up to candlelight. And as, as we look at today, um, I really just want you um, to keep your heart open to all that God might want to tell you through this simple, simple text. Um, we're going to be talking about a word, and this word keeps a lot of people in this room and has, including myself, um, has kept me in knots and up in arms many times in my life, and that word is control. Okay, control. And so the past year, when we look back, and we've talked very openly about this, about how we feel about the past year as a church, as believers, just um, the frustrations. You guys have been here for a front row seat on uh, how this has just affected a community and our nation. But we look at the challenge of all the struggles kind of this year. And if you struggle with this word, control, then maybe you've wanted to control the outcome of a pandemic or the outcome of an election or you've wanted to control the outcome of a social injustice or maybe it's even a little bit more closer to home in that you would love to just be able to control your child's attitude. Um, either way, you look at your life and you, you look at, at control and you want to put your hands on it. And I think that this is something that we um, have as a part of us because we are the crescendo of, of creation. We are um, the, the smartest and wisest, and we learn from the generation before us. And um, so we have this rolling snowball of, of intellect and ability to learn about the world around us, and you can look through time and see how fast that is gone. And for some reason, because of that, we feel empowered and maybe entitled. We, we feel like we should have every problem and, and, and have it by the tail, and that we should be able to master control. 
that we can step into any room and somehow wield a solution. But to put us on the same field of play, I want to just give you the definition of control this morning, and it's this. The power to influence behavior or the course of an event. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. How many times in our lives have we wanted to control someone's behavior? Maybe it was your boss, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it's a child. We know that we can do this for ourselves. It's called self-control, but that's it. We can control our own behavior. We can subdue and put our thoughts into the obedience of Christ. And this is a spiritual gift of us to be able to take our lives and, and control them. However, you can't control someone else's will. You can't control the outcome of an event. You can't control the world around you. And we don't like this at all. It feels very, very foreign and uncomfortable to us because there are two big things that we know about control, and that is this. Society is in love with it, and we want more of it. So it, once, once we feel like we have control in one area, we want to move that to another. And another. And I'm not just talking about being organized. I'm talking about being able to control something, to put your hand on it and it come under your authority. And it's attractional to us. It's addictive to us to want to be able to impose our will upon something. So this morning we're going to look at a scene in Scripture where the desire for control is happening with the apostles. And it's very important for us to recognize something about this text before we even go into it, and it's this. You have to realize that this event is happening to people who are actively following Jesus while Jesus is fully present with them. This is not some estranged group of pagans. This is followers of Christ while Christ is physically present with them. Now, also going to the end of this, I want to give you a little nugget of insight here. In Scripture, boats are often the metaphor for the heart of man. Okay, So Jesus gets into the boat, and the boat experiences turmoil. So when you read about that, you can see a metaphorical pattern of how the heart of man is often symbolized as the boat in, in Scripture. And so when, when we look at this, I want you to understand its, its context. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8. This is a boat story. There are several boat stories in the gospel, and the reason being is because as Christ made his way around Galilee, and these little fishing communities, all of them um, had experience with, 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 with boats. They, they understood this industry. It's how they made a, a living. It's how their parents and grandparents before them made a living. And so you've got all these people who know a lot about fishing. They know a lot about boating. And they know a lot about this water. Okay, And so it naturally unfolds into the story of Christ. So let's read chapter 8 of Matthew Verse 23 through 27, I'm going to read from the NIV today. Then he, being Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Okay, now again, a teaching point. 
if you look at this through point of order, this is important too. Jesus is leading the way. Jesus is getting into the boat first, and then they are coming after. So this is, is, is important because when we look at this through the sovereignty of God, we understand that God knows all things, is in all things, has ordered our steps, is leading the way, and we are following, and sometimes that means he's leading us into points and seasons and times of growth, and he knows it. Okay, so he's leading us. And verse 24 changes everything because it says, and suddenly a furious storm. I want to pause there, and I want you to think about this. How many times in your life have you been following Jesus and then suddenly a furious storm? Didn't ask for it. I wasn't expecting it. It was suddenly. Nobody gave you a, a prophetic warning. Uh, you didn't feel it in your spirit. You didn't see it coming. It was sudden. There was a furious storm came up in your life, something unexpected. And the storm came up on, on the water so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Verse 25. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it became calm. And the men were amazed, and they said, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and waves obey him. Rhetorical thought here, but I want you to ask yourself and think about a scenario in your mind when you have felt out of control. I want you to search the pages of your own history and I want you to think for just a minute, just find that information and pull it, and I want you to feel those feelings again of being out of control. Maybe it was on a plane. Maybe there was some turbulence. Maybe you experienced a house fire. Maybe you've recently shopped at Walmart. Uh, there are times when you feel out of control. Um, I remember one time uh, when I just graduated with my undergrad, and Robbie wanted to take me to dinner to celebrate, and I had a Jeep at that time, it had a soft top, and we didn't want to hear all that rattling and wind noise all the way to Little Rock, so I drove, drove over to my parents' house and I borrowed their car, because that's what, you know, is cool. So, I'm driving my folks' car, and we're going to Little Rock, and we're heading down 167 South, and we get to uh, uh, exit 16 there in Cabot, and I'm going by it, and a, a lady is coming on onto the interstate, and she hits me, and then I go and I hit the person next to me, and I go into the median. This is before they had all that cabling down, down the median. And, and so I go into the median, and the car starts to face, um, faces north, but we're traveling south. And it was completely out of control. So I'm trying to grab the wheel and, and suddenly, you know, just try to regain some uh, semblance of control. And I'm praying and Robbie's cussing and, 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 and it was just a real big revelation of our character. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, calling out to God and, 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 and she's doing what she's doing. And, and so, the, you know, but, but there was so much momentum going, you couldn't do anything. And I remember that it's just a sick, nauseous, feeling of whatever comes, comes. 
and nobody was injured. The airbags didn't even, didn't even go off, but it was a scary moment. And I think about that, and I've plugged that into my life in many, many times where I felt that out-of-control feeling, and I don't like it, and you don't like it either. But whatever your story is, it's always a challenge to, in that moment, live by faith. Now, this shouldn't be hard for us, and that sounds very cliche, because that's what Christians are supposed to do, right? Live by faith. We're supposed to have it all together, and we should be in this place, right, that, that we've mastered this, like, like we're just going to live by faith. And it, and it sounds a lot better than it is to live it out. Like living by faith is one of those things that we talk about in a life group or in a Sunday school setting or coffee with a great friend, like I'm just living by faith. Or, Bro, you just got to live by faith. You know, we just, we just throw it out there like, like it's easy. But it's another thing to, to do it, to actually make it happen in your life. I think living by faith is similar to how, how people talk about losing weight. Like it's easy to discuss but it's harder to actually get it done. I don't know if you've ever talked about losing weight, but some of you feel accomplished by just talking about it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop some weight. Like, this, you know, COVID, oh, don't get me started. It's been a terrible year, and I've thrown on 30 pounds, and I'm going to lose some weight. I'm telling you right now, I joined 10 Fitness, and I downloaded this Weight Watchers app. I went to Lululemon, got me a full-body spandex to keep all the juices in. I'm just going to... I'm just going to, you know, make this thing happen. But then when you actually go to do it, the demons come out. You know, they start to, the, 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 the Twinkie demons call to you in the nighttime. <laughs> I can promise you no other pastor in town said Twinkie demon today. You're welcome. Here's a big truth. Living by faith is not in our nature. What is in our nature, as this story will reveal, is to freak out, is to be overwhelmed. And when you think about this, fear, you know, has suddenly a storm. Fear is a strange emotion. It's very, very strange. It can come on you in seconds over something as small as a spider or as large as a spider. I remember going through grad work, and they were making us memorize the DSM and all these phobias, you know, like 4,000 of them or so. And they were so bizarre. I've, I've brought these up in messages many times about how strange these are because there's like the photophobia. It's like you're scared of having your picture taken. It's like a uh, phobia phobia, which is you're scared of getting a phobia. I thought that was peculiar. Fear has a way of getting control over us. And you think, you know, phobias should all be about children, right? They're scared of, of the boogeyman. Or they're scared of the dark. They're scared of falling. They're scared of something. But no, no, no. We, we take these with us all through our life's journey. And we, we not only have one or two, we, we invite a gang of them to come in and influence our life. And these things come out and speak loud to us in times when we feel out of control. So I want to I look at this story in Matthew, and I'll talk about just a few principles in this. The first thing I want to talk about is this. Stillness does not equate to weakness. All right? So in Psalm 46, David reminds us to be still 
and know that he is God. You've all heard, heard this before. To be still, and that, that word still means this, still. The word know means this, to have confidence. Like it's not just an intellectual thing. It bleeds down into where it's confidence and it's moving and affecting your behavior. So I'm going to be still and with confidence know that he's God. And it has to be one of the pillars in our lives is to be able to have stillness and confidence throughout these times and seasons of no control. But it's very difficult for a lot of us to be still when things are out of control. It actually is the opposite. When you feel you're out of control is the time you want to get up and do something. I mean, your ADD kicks in, whether it's spiritual or emotional or financial. You're like, man, this ain't, this ain't going to work. I'm going to have to find another job. Or this is a, a relational thing. You and I need to talk right now. Or a spiritual thing. God, where are you? Or an emotional thing. I'm losing my mind right now. And so you got to get up and do something about it and flesh it out. And that's the temptation in our humanity is the more out of control we feel, the more we try to compensate by doing something about it. And David's like, listen, you got to get this. Be still and know that he's God in times of being out of control. When life is out of control, we don't think rationally. Unless you are very disciplined, we don't think rationally. It's actually in times of control, uh, out being out of, out of control. I'm not trying to be crass here, but I am going to give you some examples. It's in those times of being out of control that we say, you know what? I want a, a, a divorce. I want out of this. Like, I, I can't take you anymore. It's in times of being out of control that we say, let's just, let's just move and start over, okay? Let's, let's leave this church. Let's leave this city. Let's leave these jobs. None of this means anything to us. Let's just move and start over. Can we do that? It's in times of being out of control that we say, I quit. And we make very quick choices that have effects on us. Maybe, maybe you go to your boss and you just say, I quit. Maybe you are the boss and you still say, I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. Maybe you go to your spouse and you say, can we, can we just sell these kids? There are times when you feel out of control. But here's one thing that I'm, I know for sure. When people try and run from pressure or someone or something, somehow that pressure, someone or something always ends up in the suitcase. You can't leave it behind until you've dealt with it. So if you're a note taker, write, write this down. What you are not willing to deal with today will come back tomorrow. What you're not willing to stop and turn around and deal with and, and go through this out-of-control feeling will come back on you tomorrow. Okay? Now, you can create more chaos with an exit plan when you feel out of control than if you will just be still and know it and endure it. Now, Mark chapter 6 is another boat story. But in Mark chapter 6, the disciples are in a storm. Jesus is walking on water, and it says he sees those disciples, and he sees them. I'm, I'm going to use the King James Version here for just a second. It says, toiling in their rowing. Now, every time I talk about Mark 6, I teach you guys this, and here's why. Because I want it to be a part of, of your personal knowledge about this story 
And as you teach it, teach it to your kids, as you frame this out and apply it to your life, I want you to, to know this. That's why I'm so repetitive with it. But he says he sees them toiling in their rowing. Here's why. Because they were fishermen. Because they were familiar with this water and with this boat and what to do. So when the storm came upon them and Jesus sees them toiling in their rowing, they aren't jumping ship. They're grabbing an oar. They're doing what they know to do as men of the sea. They are, they are fighting it out. Now let's take that and apply it for a second. When you are following Christ and suddenly a furious storm comes in your life, you don't jump ship. No, you grab an oar. You row it. You keep on. You make it happen again. So for us, it turns into a language like, like, like this. I'm going to keep on believing and trusting and open and praying and fasting and taking communion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in my community. I'm not going to get out. I'm staying in. I'm going to grab an oar in my life and do what believers do. They fight through it. Second thought is this. There will be times... You know Jesus is near, but think he's asleep. I don't know if you've ever struggled with this, but, man, you're going through life. You know you're a believer. You know it. You've been saved. You've accepted the gift of salvation in your life. You're living out Scripture. You're growing. But when you get into this storm, it's like you know He's with you, and you can, you can recite all those scriptures. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can chase that whole thread through the entire canon. But in you, you feel like Jesus is sleeping. It's like, God, of all times. Now, here's where this story comes alive. Because this was them. Like, we need you right now. I mean, we... We got on this boat because you did. We followed you. And now the storm, and now you're asleep, and we're up here fighting for our lives. Where are you right now? Now, this is something you're never going to take to testimony service. But this is something that, that you talk to God about, that you wrestle with in your own mind. Like, this is the hardest time of my life. Where are you? The wheels are coming off. God, this is the... This is the hardest season. I, I cannot lose things right now. What's going on? Why don't you do something? But watch this. Jesus is so tired. Now this, is, this is my idea here, but I believe he's tired because he has been ministering like crazy. He's been speaking and revealing and putting a personal touch on people's lives and, and, and healing people and Revealing heaven, and he's just been loving people and unboxing all this stuff, and he's tired. So he gets on this boat, and you got to be tired when you are in the bottom of a wooden fishing boat in a storm and you're asleep. That's tired. But these times when Jesus is asleep in the storm are ordained times. They give us an opportunity to grow our faith. Have you ever wondered if maybe Jesus is modeling faith right now that in the middle of, of, of a storm, when everybody else is freaking out, what you should be doing is taking a nap. 
Maybe. Maybe he's trying to tell us, why don't you stop being overwhelmed and turn the ceiling fan on and grab you a blanket and put on the masters and go to bed? Maybe he's telling us to calm down and sleep. Here's why, because even when we're sleeping, he's working. He's doing it for us. Keep in mind that Jesus is with them. The disciples know he's the Son of God, and they are still afraid. This should speak loudly to us. Okay? But here's what often happens. Okay, and this is where I'm I'm gonna make the rubber hit the road right, 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 right here. We are living out our faith based upon information we've put together. And we've compartmentalized, and it feels good, and it's warm, and it's fuzzy. And we continue to just, oh, just love the Lord, just love what he's doing, as long as it's warm and fuzzy. But when there's suddenly a furious storm, and you've actually got to live by faith, you get a question mark in your faith. Now, if you were raised the way I was, question marks were not a good thing. Because question marks meant you're just not trusting God. But I'm going to flip that and tell, tell you this. A question mark in a storm can be the catalyst for you actually growing in God during your storm. Here's why. Because a contradiction to your faith creates in you a conversation with God that is pungent. Like, like you go to God and you go, I, seriously? Like I'm trying here. And this is so hard for me. And I'm trying to make it through this. And I'm, I'm trying to save a marriage or raise a kid or start a business or believe you for something big. And this is what I get for it. Suddenly you struggle. I'm going I'm to tell you this story. I didn't, I didn't tell this at, at the nine, but I just want to right now. But when, when Robbie and I lost a child... It was, it was our first dose at, at, at death, if, if you will. We had not lost a parent at that time. Now both of us have. I think our grandparents were alive. We had not just, we hadn't lost friends, but we lost a child. And I remember for me, I was, I was mad, and I've told you this many times, but I showed God my, my, my resume after that happened. I was like, God, listen. I mean, you know I'm a pastor, right? This, this stuff doesn't happen to pastors. I mean, you know what all I'm trying to do for you, right? So why, why would you do this to me? It's very prideful. And I remember for whatever reason, I don't know if it was UAMS or what, but we got on this mailing list. And what happens is, and they're trying to be kind, the intention is great, but you, you get all these coupons for like Pampers and Formula so every day I'd go to the mailbox and I'd open it up and it'd be a coupon for something. I'd be, I'd be mad. Sometimes I'd leave it in there. And I remember one night, this was about four days after the funeral, there was a grocery store here in town. and I wanted a Pop-Tart. I know that surprises you. Because <laughs> there's nothing like a Pop-Tart when you're hurting. You know what I mean? When, when you're really tore up, y'all, you need a Pop-Tart. So I tell Robbie, pull over at this. I'm going to run here and get a Pop-Tart. 
And this, this is what happened. I'm not making this up. I go into the store and the aisle of Pop-Tarts. I'm excited, but I'm broken. I mean, it's four days after the service. And I, I'm about to whip down the, to grab a box of Pop-Tarts. And I'm not just going to grab one box. I'm going to grab like the bonus pack. So I, I start to go, and, and for some reason, at this particular grocery store, they had the Pampers and the Pop-Tarts in the same, on the same aisle. And I go to make the corner, and it, like, took my breath away. Because, you know, all, you know, like, half, half the aisle was Pampers. And I, remember, I remember it just stopped me and stunned me. And I remember, I said, I ain't, I ain't doing this. I'm going to walk around. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk around the next aisle, and I'm going to whip down. This grocery store ain't going to fool me. I'm going to turn that corner at the end and get my Pop-Tart and then go back. I'm not walking through this mess. And right as I start to do it, it's like, it's like the Lord said, no, I, I want you I want you to walk through the Pampers. I was like, oh, don't you, don't you do this to me. Like, I'm sensitive right now, and I'm not happy with you, and I'm, I'm not happy about life right now. i got big old question marks in my life, and I, I followed you into this thing, okay? I followed you into the ministry, and then now I, suddenly this furious storm, and I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, and I don't know about you, and I don't know how you feel about me, and all I know is, like, sometimes at night right now, I'm so emotional, I can't even put two sentences together, and now you want to grow me right now? But something came over me, and it's like this life principle came onto me, and I'm not trying to be comical this morning, but sometimes it's like you have to go through the pampers to get to the Pop-Tarts. Does that make sense to anybody? Like, you gotta, you got to face it and go through it and deal with it. And you can't go around, you can't go under, you can't go over. you got to go through it. you got to grab an oar. you got to toil in, in your rowing. you got to have the question marks. you got to be going, you know, I don't know about it. I don't know what's around the corner. It's so out of control. Everything I try fails. So let me end with Philippians. So the church at Philippi, he writes in chapter 4, verse 7. He gives us this great nugget, and then I'm going to close. David, you guys can come. Watch this. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. And this is the answer. This is the answer right now for a lot of people in this room. Because you are really not living by faith until you can say, I don't have to understand. We're not really living by faith until it's not all put away in a nice box with a bow on it somewhere in, in our psyche. But when it's all scattered about and completely out of control and you from your spirit, you're able to say, it does not have to make sense to me. That is when you are living by faith. Because when we look at God and we're able to say, God, my faith in you is not dependent upon you answering my question or solving the problem. 
My love and faith in you is because you are sovereign and you're good and you love me and the whole world could catch on fire around me and it will not change those things. It transcends my understanding. So three apps real real quick in 30 seconds. First thing is this. Don't sabotage yourself, okay? Stay in the boat. Stay in. Grab an oar. Stay faithful to it. Stay committed to it. There's one thing we know about storms. They end. All right? The clouds are going to move on. The sun's behind it. You're going you're gonna to feel the warmth of the sun on your shoulders again. It's going to happen. Endure it. Grab an oar. Fight like mad. Stay in the boat. Don't sabotage this. Second, don't trust your question. It's okay to have one, but don't trust it. Trust your faith. And third, Don't believe for a second that you can control anything, but rest. And this might be the biggest one for some of you today. You are white-knuckling so much in your life, and God is like saying, hey, open your hand. Just open it up. Let me take it. You can't control, you can't win this. So open your hand and rest. Join me in the bottom of the boat. Join me. Take a nap. Go to bed. Stop being restless. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to whiteboard the thing to death. Take a nap. So why don't you close your eyes with me for a minute, bow your heads. I just want to pray over us.